Hey everyone, this is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel podcast. You're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz. Welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz. R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z, and I'm joined by WWE featured columnist for Bleacher Report, Graham Matthews. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Doing great, Randy. Great to be back on the podcast post-WrestleMania season. Yeah, man. WrestleMania 32, almost five hours long, Graham. I don't know I don't know what they were you know, thinking about, but did that surprise you that that whole event, uh, I guess the main event, the main card event, went almost five hours? <laughs> <laughs> the extra two hours or two for the kickoff show so seven hours in total definitely oh, a draining God. experience i really enjoyed it overall we'll get into that momentarily but yeah seven hours is a very long time show it's a very long time for just anything you know not even a wrestling show just anything it's hard to sit there for seven hours but uh it was a crazy night but i'm looking forward to talking about it though. so it was a seven hour event over 100 oh, i guess 101 thousand people 763 i think that's the number it broke wrestlemania 3 record i think everybody knew that was going to happen um watching the event what was your overall thoughts on the event the the the, the layout how the how the matches ended um and the and, and the results of the matches what was your overall take from wrestlemania I said this a few times over the last couple of days, but I feel like it was more of an entertaining show for the moments and the records broken. I feel like that was what they were going for with the show, breaking records with the fastest WrestleMania match of all time with Rock versus Eric Rowan ending in six seconds, um, breaking the attendance record of over 101,000, as you said, people in attendance on Sunday. Just a lot of stuff, a lot of new records broken and monumental moments with Stone Cold coming back, one of the loudest pops I've heard in some time. That was insane. But uh, it didn't really do much to kind of set the future in stone for WWE. I feel like Raw did that more successfully than WrestleMania. There wasn't much of an incentive to tune into Raw on Monday other than you know it's the post-WrestleMania Raw and you know it's always going to be great. But as a show itself, other than the fact like we just talked about, it was seven hours long, I feel like it delivered on the whole and being an entertaining show. If you go back and watch it a year from now, um, and you know, a year looking back in retrospect, I feel like it would be an entertaining show. But there wasn't really anything about the main event specifically. I feel like the undercard, including the women's match, the ladder match, and AJ Styles and Chris Jericho, were better than, were better than the main events themselves. Um, they weren't bad, but I feel like they weren't really any match their candidates whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, I really think that it was a show that everybody in the company just said, hey, man, let's, let's just get through WrestleMania. Let's get this over with. Let's break the record. Uh, let's bring back some legends and kind of like start anew on, on Monday night. And I think they kind of did a bit. Um, real quick sidebar. You said you mentioned Stone Cold. I think he had the biggest pop of the night um, once that glass shattered. Now, do you think that was a bigger pop or the pop he had at WrestleMania 30 interrupting Hulk Hogan? Easily, easily Sunday. It's got to be WrestleMania 32. That was a great part of WrestleMania 30. That whole segment was cool. I feel like that segment was better than what we got on Sunday. I know that's not saying much. <laughs> you have to be the biggest icons of all time like we talked about or like you just said. Um, but that pop on Sunday in his native Texas, we knew that he was going to be on the show. WWE never officially announced that. We just kind of had a hint that he was going to be on the show in some form or fashion. I'm so glad they didn't relegate him to a backstage segment like they've done before with like Rock or something like that. That was 10 times better. Again, he wasn't on Raw the next night. I didn't expect him to be. He did nothing for 
you know, uh, the current superstars. They pretty much just wiped out the entire League of Nations, which I was completely fine with. But that pop was insane. I've been talking to people who were there. They said the ground literally shook for Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was a kid, which did not surprise me at all. I mean, like I said, Texas native, got his spots, and it was just an amazing scene all around. Yeah, man, it, it was great to see him, Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, The Rock, um, all on the, the same card or on the same night. Um, Shawn Michaels looks in, in great shape. I think he's 50, 51 years old. The man looks like he was about to, you know, <laughs> fight for the, the world title. Um, I, I know we'll never see him in a ring competing again, but <clears throat> did it shock you that he was just in great shape? Not really. I feel like he's the type of person that stays in great shape regardless of whether he's wrestling or not. He could come back tomorrow, and he would still wrestle like one of the best matches of the year, I feel like. I feel like when he left in 2010, he would still be the top of his game. It's not like his matches, the match quality was draining or anything like that. He was still at the peak of his career, which I feel like is the best time to go out as opposed to you know just getting worse and worse and worse, like a la Ric Flair or something like that, who needed to retire when he did. Um, Shawn Michaels could come back tomorrow and have a great match, but I feel like I, I even heard reports a couple months ago they were trying to get him to get back in the ring for a match, either, even at the Rumble, for a one-off appearance. And it's like, no, I mean, he had one of the best retirements, one of the best send-offs right. of all time at WrestleMania 26. Why bring him back? So I feel like if we weren't going to get that, which I'm glad we didn't for one more match, I'm very happy with what we got instead with the uh, basically wrestling one more match. I mean, he was in there hitting all the all spots, hit the switch in music a couple times. Yeah, It was great to see him in like an amazing shape, as you said. Also on WrestleMania, I think they, they did a great job in introducing the new women's title. I, I think we've all have uh, gotten tired of the Divas belt, the, the word Diva. Uh, they're going in a, a new um, direction with the women's championship, the actual women's heavyweight championship. Um, <laughs> at some point, that belt might have looked better than the actual World Heavyweight Championship for the guys. Um, uh, and the red and the white, uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was cool. And, and, and I, I, pretty much how you would feel. I think it was about time that we got away from the whole diva term and divas wrestling and bring back, well, the new women's title. Long overdue. Yeah, I was very happy to see that. There was a lot of speculation we would see it on Raw on Monday. But I'm actually glad they did it the way they did by introducing it on the kickoff show and making the triple threat match, which I know we'll talk about eventually, um, was, to me, the match of the night. I thought that was the best match out of any match at WrestleMania on Sunday. But I feel like there was no better time to crown the inaugural WWE Women's Champion because apparently it's not carrying the same lineage of the Divas title. It's not like it was you know, refurnished. It's a completely new championship, all new lineage, not even carrying the same lineage from the, um, the previous Women's Championship that ran from 1956 to 2010. That's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a great-looking title, a lot better than the Butterfly Belt, that goes without saying. Um, but I like the idea that it's kind of like the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, but with the white strap. It's got women at the bottom of it. and makes it feel prestigious. So I definitely like that aspect of it. It's a great-looking title. They introduced it at the right time, and it really coincided with one of the, not one of, but in my personal opinion, the best women's wrestling match we've ever seen on the main roster. Yeah, man, uh, the match was great. Um, I, I, I had Charlotte winning going going into the match. I, I, I guess many people felt that it was a time for Sasha Banks, and the whole crowd was really pro-Sasha Banks that night. But to me, I just felt like it was maybe a bit too early for her to to get the world title. Um, well, the, 
the women's title. And I think Charlotte is, is in the middle of a, a, a great heel run, and I would have been kind of upset as a fan to kind of have that heel run just cut short right away. I think they'll keep on building Sasha and Charlotte where maybe at SummerSlam they'll change the title. But I think Charlotte is the perfect person to be the world um, women's champion at this time. I think it'll once you make Sasha really go after her and when it's all said and done, she'll earn th- that, that woman's title. I was torn for Banks on Sunday. I would have been happy with a, uh, with a Becky Lynch one as well, but I'm literally just about to publish, publish this article right now entitled, Charlotte has found her stride as the lead heel of WWE's women division. Because I feel like I wasn't a huge fan of hers at first, and her heel right. run kind of started out a little shaky. The heel turn, the heel run was very necessary because she wasn't connecting with the baby face. But I feel like she has really found her stride, like I said, as a heel, as the lead division of the, uh, as the lead women of the division. In that, in that championship role, and that she's been champion for six months, six or seven months, and she's defending the championship regularly, unlike Nikki Bella, who defended the title like every two or three months against the same people. Let's look at the people she's beaten. She beat Nikki Bella, Paige, Brie Bella, Natalia, Becky Lynch, Sasha on Sunday. So she's knocked off a lot of credible challenges of the championship since September. And, um, yeah, I would have been happy, like I said, with the Banks win on Sunday, but I definitely think the money is in that chase mode for Sasha now that she looks like, I mean, I feel like Becky's more of a full-fledged baby face than Sasha is. She's kind of still in that tweener role, despite being the most over girl in the matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it doesn't, I would, I would go with that story with what we got on Sunday. Sasha was screwed out of the title at WrestleMania. So I don't know why they wouldn't have continued on with that, going into payback and extreme roles. Maybe they will. It looks like we're getting Charlotte and Natalia in the interim. But um, if the long-term plan is to go back to that matchup, which, again, I feel like it is, it's going to be like the new Trish and Lita of the modern day, um, they can always do that match again at SummerSlam or something like that. But I feel like when Bailey gets called up, which could be sooner rather than later, I don't know how she mixes into it, there's a lot of exciting possibilities. But I definitely agree that um, although initially when I saw Charlotte win, I wasn't like ecstatic about it, um, I feel like long-term it makes the most sense to kind of keep the heat on her and when eventually someone does beat her for that championship, whether it be Becky Banks, Bailey, or somebody else, it's going to mean a hell of a lot more. Now, would you would you would you have preferred her win the match, but w- without the help of Ric Flair on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I know RJ was really pissed about uh, the interference <laughs> from Ric Flair because one thing I didn't get—it didn't really make me mad per se, um, just because that's the nature of her character. She's the dirtiest player in the Divas Division or the Women's Division, I like, at this point. Um, so, I mean, it, it elicited heat from the crowd. It was, you know, the the type of heat that she needs to get. But at the same time, it was strange that during the match, Becky knocked down Rick. So finally him getting his comeuppance after all these months, after him interfering in all of Becky's matches and costing her the championship, he finally got his comeuppance when she dived outside the ring and right on top of Ric Flair. But then he came back later on in the matchup, so it wasn't like it almost didn't even matter. I know RG and a few other people were hoping for like a Conor McGregor appearance or a run-in from somebody to yeah. come in and counter Ric Flair, which would have been really, really cool. Random, but cool. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, and I said this yesterday in my show, if all the interference from Ric Flair is going to be paid off in the end, and I, they don't do long-term storytelling very well, but if it all pays off with like a steel cage match with the women at Extreme Rolls or something like that in the next couple of months, I would be super happy to see something like that. So Ric Flair is out of the equation indefinitely. All right, now, th- now this is where I start combining some stuff from WrestleMania, Raw, and NXT because they all kind of related. Um, first up, we had the, the, the Hell in a Cell matchup, Shane McMahon, Undertaker. Um, Shane lost the match, but then we saw him on Raw um, the next night. And I guess to a, I guess to a shock to many that Vince McMahon said, you know, you're basically going to run Raw for the night. So on Sunday, when we see him lose, did you feel like, all right, 
did, you know, it's a wrap for Shane for coming on TV. He he did his thing for WrestleMania, um, sell some extra tickets and and, and give, giving the Undertaker an opponent, and that was it. Or did you feel like we'll see something on Raw, or this could be actually long term that Shane McMahon would actually be still around um, with the company, whether on or off screen. I thought that was it. I thought the big bump that he took was going to write him off TV for good or indefinitely or at least for a few weeks or months. And then we saw him the very next night on Raw. It's not like he didn't sell the injuries. I mean, he limped out to the, uh, to the stage, not even to the ring. So I was fine with that. And then he ran Raw the next night anyway, which made absolutely no sense. Not to complain. I mean, didn't really nothing was really different about Raw now that Shane was in charge. Right. I don't know whether that's going to continue for the next couple of weeks. I don't really know what the plan would be. I have, no, I have zero guesses. But in terms of – I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago when I was here on your show about how – I have been saying since the beginning that Taker would win because I feel like their long, or their initial plan anyway was seeing a Taker. They're not going to deviate from the plans of having Taker lose now just Shane in the equation. They figured with Shane back, all we could do the whole authority stipulation of that if he loses, they're done. So I feel like the plan was never to get rid of the authority. And they might, they might still be getting rid of anyway. You know, Triple H and Stephanie weren't on Raw for a night. That was very refreshing. And I wasn't disappointed Shane lost just because I didn't expect him to win. I didn't expect him to be around anyway. So when he did show up on Raw, I was surprised. Um, I don't think it's for the long term, though. He might show up here and there. But after what we saw on Raw, and then Vince gave him the, the, you know, the keys to rule the kingdom anyway for no apparent reason. It was kind of really random. He lost anyway. Taker might be done, um, which is what the rumors are currently indicating. And he might be done despite winning the match. It's very confusing. I guess we'll have to wait and see in time will tell. But anyway, um, I think you know, Shane sticking around would be great. He's been a breath of fresh air on the, on the program the last couple of months. But um, I don't see him sticking around long term. I would love to see it. I just not holding out hope for it. To me, I have a theory, and um, you can either be yay or nay about it. I think it's. I think Shane being on TV can can be just the the slight beginning of. Um, and, and I think I actually read it somewhere where they're going away from the whole authority thing, the, the whole authority angle, slowly but surely, um, not showing Hunter and Stephanie on TV all the time, giving them a break, or, or ultimately just getting rid of that sooner or later. And maybe down the road, it can, you know, my theory is this Hunter and Stephanie get upset. Vince let Shane run Raw, even though he lost the match, where now you actually finally include Triple H and Stephanie in this whole storyline, which they never did prior to WrestleMania. You finally, you know, include them now, and now Hunter and Stephanie are upset at Vince for letting Shane run Raw, and... You know, is that a sign like, well, are you going to keep on doing this or do we have to settle this once and for all? Like, who's going to really run Raw? Me, me uh, Hunter and, and Stephanie or Shane McMahon, where it, it can probably come down to a batch where Hunter steps up and then Shane, at the, at, you know, later on will bring up Seth Rollins when he come back from injury. And then Seth and Hunter will go at it for a match and the winner of the guy they represent will represent Raw in the company going forward. So that's the little theory I got. That could be totally wrong, but does that kind of make sense to you? That makes a hell of a lot more sense than what we saw on Sunday and Monday, <laughs> which is why I feel like they won't do it, because it's sometimes more logical. Um, but yeah, I feel like the match from the beginning should have been Shane and Triple H. I mean, Shane and Taker was a good match. I'm not going to crap on it, but I feel like that was the story they could have told. Like, oh, Triple H. It, it makes sense. You know, Triple H has been legitimately in charge of the company, other than Vince, obviously. He's gotten power in the absence of Shane. He kind of took creative control and backstage power right after Shane left in 2010. 
the story makes perfect sense, but they haven't interacted at all since Shane came back. Yeah. I might, I'd rather see that, honestly, than another Triple H-Roman match, which I feel like is the direction they're going in at payback or whatever, because Triple H can work as many dates as he wants, because he's not a Brock or Rock where he can only work a certain amount of dates a year. He can work every Raw if he wants to. Um, but I feel like they're heading forward that rematch, but I'd much rather see like a Shane and Triple H match or a representative match, like you said, at the next pay-per-view or going into SummerSlam. Uh, it'd be a hell of a lot better than what I feel like we're going to get in the next couple of weeks. Now, Cesaro came back on Raw. I think we all kind of knew he was going to return soon. Um, he appeared in the, 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 I guess, the fatal four-way match, the winner to be the number one contender for, for Reigns' uh, title. Um, AJ Styles ended up winning that match. Um, did you, A, think that if Cesaro was going to be put in the match that he was actually going to win the match? And how shocked were you that AJ Styles ended up winning that match? And what does that mean going forward, like, to help, you know, the, the, the fans really turn on Reigns because, you know, everyone in the building, when they fight, is going to cheer for AJ Styles? I feel like the best part about that match, other than it was very well wrestled and a great Raw main event, was that anyone had a chance to win. Even Jericho had that little interaction with Roman earlier on in the evening. I was not going to be disappointed with anyone who won. I mean, you look at who was in the match. Cesaro, like you said, making his grand return. I wasn't, you know, banking on him winning, or I felt it was predictable because, you know, they'd never really been high on high and high on him before. And I feel like his Raw match, his final Raw match before he got injured, was with Roman Reigns. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like. Right before he got hurt, he had that great tournament match with Roman Reigns, and they could always go back to that match feud, whatever, at some point in the very near future. Um, like I said, Jericho is a logical opponent, AJ who won, and even Kevin Owens, KO and Reigns would have been a good feud too. Um, but AJ and Reigns, like I said, I feel like that's not what we're going to get to get a payback because they haven't confirmed it for the pay-per-view. I feel like they're going to do it on Raw or something. But um, I'd much rather see it save for the pay-per-view. Maybe it was interference from like the Bullet Club guys or something that they debut. But um, it's going to be interesting, like you said, with AJ being as popular as he is. And I feel like they know that. I mean, when Roman Reigns is promo on Monday, I mean, they know it, but they really are stubborn about it because they had Reigns win and kind of shoved it down our throats, having him win clean at WrestleMania, no heel turn, no nothing, going the most predictable path possible, which I kind of got my guard up for, so I wasn't super disappointed. But in Raw, anyway, it's not like he was you know, acting. He was Roman Reigns. It was business as usual. He kind of was like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. And he was kind of... Um, playing to the booze, which was refreshing. So I feel like they know, and they might kind of play to that character, but it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, dynamic is. I mean, I think we all kind of know what the crowd's siding with AJ against Roman Reigns, and it's not a smarky crowd thing anyway. It's it's whatever town it's going to be, and they're going to share AJ over Reigns, no doubt. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic, to say the least. To me on Raw, the, the three biggest parts were Shane coming back, returning, and I guess running Raw for the night, um, the Fatal 4-Way main event, which was possibly the best main event on Raw in, in, in quite some time. And the fact that, you know, which I'm going to get to now, there was a lot of NXT, uh, you know, around the building, which, you know, I, I put on Twitter, you know, you're watching the first episode of Monday Night NXT because a lot of NXT guys were coming up and the fans really, really got into it. And to me, not to be nitpicky, but if they're just coming out, with no vignette, with no video, with no with, with nothing to kind of amp it up more that, oh, this guy or this girl is going to make their debut on Raw to give some kind of indication, oh, wow, I got to watch it because, I, you know, I watched this person wrestle in, in, in NXT, but they're just coming out like, oh, here comes Apollo Crews, oh, here comes Enzo and Cass, and everything is great, but it's like I wish that they would have a little more uh, a video package vignette to create more interest, but 
regardless, um, we did see Apollo Crews uh, debut on Raw. We saw Enzo and Cass uh, do their promo on Raw. <coughs> Excuse me. And we also had Baron Corbin making his Raw debut, even though he won the Battle Royal the, the, the night before at WrestleMania. And um, I, I believe... That was it. So you got Cruz, Corbin, Enzo, and Cass, and the, the promo for the tag team, the Vaude Villains. And I'm not going to sit here and say I know too much about them, so you got to help me with that. Overall, all these NXT guys coming up, what was your reaction to seeing uh, at least four or five people getting that call up? I'm excited slash slightly surprised by who they called up. Enzo and Cass, I feel like it's been a lock for months. Like, I've been saying this since London. That they were Once they didn't win the tag team titles in London, I thought to myself, they're coming up in that at the WrestleMania. There's no doubt about that. I know there were rumors that, like, oh, they might need you a fast lane or roadblock. I'm glad they held off and waited until the night at the WrestleMania. It made the most sense. They got a feed with the Ws now, which could be really cool. has a lot of potential to be good. Um, that was a lock because they're the best tag team. I mean, most deserving of a call-up right now in NXT, other than American Alpha and the Revival, but they still got some time down there. So that was a lock. The Vaudevillains, um, I'm not as thrilled about because I feel like they might be the next Ascension. I know RJ made that comparison. A few others did as well. I feel like they're just not going to get over. The gimmick is just, I don't know, it's, it's way too NXT-esque. And even the crowd in NXT didn't love it. I mean, they've turned one too many times. We'll have to wait and see. Their debut on SmackDown, which is like the kiss of death. I love SmackDown, but the debut on that show... I mean, let's go further than Tyler Breeze, who debuted on SmackDown a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And then you have Apollo Crews. Like you said, the vignettes, um, I would have rather had, to be honest with you, I would have rather, rather had just Tyler Breeze out of the ring and then Cruz's music hits. Um, they played that little video package like, oh, Cruz is going to debut up next, which was cool, and I heard the crowd pop for it. Um, but the reaction to him coming out wasn't as strong just because they knew it was happening. Right. Like, I saw Neville last year when Axel was in the ring, and then Neville came out, and people were like, oh, shit, it's Neville. Like, that was cool. Um, but still glad to see a follow-up there. I mean, I feel like it's a little too soon. He was the most surprising just because he just debuted in NXT in August at Brooklyn TakeOver. So um, I feel like he had some more time in NXT before he came up. But he's got a lot of raw potential. And then Baron Corbin, as you said, um, I feel like I wasn't really thinking about him. I was thinking maybe Balor Joe or Bailey. We didn't see any of those people on Monday night, maybe in the near future. But uh, Corbin has a lot of potential, too. He's a great talent. He's improved a lot in the last year. He could be a dominating heel. His whole gimmick is that he hates indie guys. They're going after Dolph Ziggler, an IWC favorite. I don't know if you can even call him that at this point, but um, you know, one of those type of wrestlers I feel like is a great program for him. So I'm excited to see all these guys resurface on uh, NXT, or rather Monday Night NXT, like you said. <clears throat> So you mentioned, uh, obviously, we all would have thought Bailey. I, I think during when Charlotte was doing the whole presentation of the women's title, you probably thought Bailey's music, music would hit or something like that, but that didn't happen. Uh, I thought Samoa Joe would have been the one. I, I honestly thought if, if I would have known Cesaro was going to be in the match, I would have thought that maybe Samoa Joe would have been that fourth guy in the Fatal 4-Way. Maybe that would have been too too early, but I wasn't thinking Cesaro. But anyway... I think Bailey and Joe will get there soon, uh, what, at least before the summer, right? I'd imagine. I don't know about Balor. I know I've heard a lot of rumors about him you know, being the face of NXT, but I feel like the story there is with the whole Bullet Club guys. And maybe unless they align with uh, the alignment AJ, which is also possible, but it wouldn't make much sense just because they turned on AJ literally like two months ago in New Japan. I know they don't acknowledge that kind of thing, but they did kind of acknowledge it when they signed with the company a couple months ago. Whatever. But, uh... Yeah, I feel like Balor is going to be coming up soon. Joe, I feel like, after losing the title twice at uh, in London and in Dallas, I feel like there's not much for else him to do in NXT, and the guy's just been on freaking fire for the last eight or nine months. So him getting a call-up is almost guaranteed, hopefully, before the summer, like you said. 
maybe for a program with John Cena, I would pay money, pay good money to see Joe versus John Cena. And then uh, Bailey, I, like you said, I was getting my hopes up for a Bailey uh, debut in that segment because we usually get one or two women debut right after WrestleMania last year. It was like, I mean, it was a couple months after WrestleMania, but we had Charlotte Banks and uh, and Becky, and then the year before it was Paige and Emma. So this year, I feel like it's going to be Bailey, and uh, hopefully before the summer, so we can get hopefully Banks wins the championship for the next couple months. Then we can get Bailey and Banks in Brooklyn again, but this time at SummerSlam, and this time for the WWE Women's Championship. I feel like that could be a great story. So are, are you more in favor of all these NXT uh, call-ups, or do you feel like they called up too many guys? And, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what their roster is, uh, you know, depth-wise, but I know uh, maybe Bobby Roode is going to be on that roster. We saw him at, at NXT TakeOver. The point is, do you feel like calling up four or five people and then uh, it, it's kind of too much too quick, or do you feel like – it, it doesn't matter that they have a whole roster coming up anyway. Yeah, I fear for the more for the guys that were called up to the main roster as opposed to NXT, which I feel like it's just going to be just fine. Like I said, Bobby Roode possibly coming in. Ayabush getting is rumored. Uh, Nakamura's finally here. Austin Aries has arrived. So NXT should be just fine. The main roster guys, like you said, I fear more for just because we've seen this before. People get called up. We're all excited. And I'm very happy they all got called up. Um, you know, some more deserving of other, than others, but it adds a lot of fresh blood to the current roster that desperately needs it right now, especially with guys like Lesnar, Rock, and you know Triple H probably taking a lesser role in the show, and Taker disappearing, Sheen, I imagine, disappearing too. They need fresh blood. Um, these guys are the answer to that, but hopefully they don't get lost in the shuffle. I mean, Neville was a prime example of a guy that was ready to be called up, got called up. He was hot off the debut, had a great match with like Rollins and John Cena on Raw. And then one of the feud with Stardust and like all these you know irrelevant people. So hopefully they have a plan in mind. They have a plan in place for Cruz and Corbin and all these other guys. Enzo and Cass, I feel like will be just fine. They have a feud of the Dudleys. So I fear more for like Cruz and Corbin just because they better have a ready-made program for them. It's not like you know oh, it's the night after WrestleMania. We got to call people up. Uh, Cruz, let's go. You're getting called up tonight. Hopefully they have a plan in place. And it's not like oh, it's that time of the year again. You know. Yeah, um, you know, NXT TakeOver, I think, had, you know, already a match of the year candidate with, with Nakamura and Sami Zayn. Um, they, they they just tore the house down. I know the NXT crowd is going to be there regardless, but they just made it extra uh, special. Uh, it was Nakamura's debut in NXT um, with, I guess, a, a, a send-off for Sami Zayn match. Um it was great. I think it went uh, 30 minutes. I could be wrong. But what was your overall thoughts on the debut of Nakamura and the match he had with Sami Zayn? Amazing. Like you said, I don't feel like it is one of the matches of candidates. It is the best match I've seen all year in WWE, including NXT, anything. That, that match was absolutely incredible. And this is someone who I, I've seen a little bit of Nakamura. I've seen some of his matches. I've watched his matches with AJ from New Japan. From Kevin Owens, with Kevin Owens, Kevin Cena at that time, from Ring of Honor from a few years ago. Uh, but this match was just something else. From the entrances alone, Nakamura comes out, and the guy is a total star from the entrance alone. And like you said, you get almost 30 minutes of an in-ring spectacle, an absolute masterpiece of these two. Um, great match, very hard-hitting. It was just absolutely surreal. Nakamura's going to be just fine. Hopefully he doesn't fall victim to the stupid Japanese stereotypes to begin on the main roster. Atami was just fine before he got hurt, but this is NXT. Hopefully when he gets called up, they don't give him some stupid-ass Japanese music or they have him out <laughs> like Yoshi Katsu, you know? Like all that 
garbage they've done in the past. But hopefully they learn their lesson because Nakamura is a star. And they need stars right now. This guy is amazing. And not to you know discredit Sami Zayn, who had an amazing performance as well. Honestly, his best match to date since coming back to NXT back in December. Um, the match was surreal. I've watched it back a few times already, especially the entrance. That, you know, that Nakamura entrance still gives me goosebumps. But um, I'm very excited for the future of NXT with uh, Nakamura, a part of the roster currently. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I, I've been slowly getting used to watching NXT on, on Wednesday nights and watching the, the pay-per-view, so I'm becoming more of a fan. And just seeing new people uh, go out there, do their thing, perform, and then also get the call-up to, to do their thing on Raw and the SmackDowns and, and the pay-per-view, I think it's a great thing. Um, but real quick, take me backstage a bit where do you think that all the call-ups on Monday – was more like Hunter <laughs> going to Vince and say, hey, you know, you know, we don't have Brock, Cena, Taker, Rock, this, that coming on Raw. I think, you know, we can call up some guys to, you know, fill some spots up for tonight. Or do you think that's like Vince saying, listen, I'm a fan of this guy, this guy, this guy. I want them on Raw tomorrow night. I think so. I don't know if that's so much the case with the Vaude villains. I feel like that was like, oh, Vince, you know, that's a cool, that's a cool gimmick. Let's get that up on the main <laughs> roster. Other than that, I feel like the other ones, um, like the Ascension, they probably saw the Ascension, like, oh, they're so great in NXT, let's get them on the main roster. I mean, I can't judge. We haven't even seen their first match yet. But with the other three, though, or, you know, four, I guess, with Enzo and Cass combined. But, uh, you know, Enzo and Cass, they heard somewhere that Triple H is a huge advocate of them, which does not surprise me at all. I feel like Vince would see them, or at least Enzo, and be like, oh, just call up Cass, he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Um, but, you know, he looks, and, and JBL mentioned it like five times on Raw, like, oh, he's so tall, and you know that that's the first thing that Ben saw when he saw this guy, Colin Cass. Yeah. But they're super entertaining, so it's great to see them on the main roster, especially with Cruz and Corbin. I feel like Triple H is a huge advocate of both guys, especially Cruz. He signed into a contract last year. He sees a lot of potential in him. If he didn't, he would have been on Raw right now. He probably would have been done in NXT for a little while longer. And Corbin, He's a former football player, which you know they love. I mean, look no further than Roman Reigns, the current world champion, you know, as of this moment. Um, so I feel like Triple H is all these people that got called up on Monday are Triple H pet projects. But just because they're pet projects at Triple H is, doesn't mean they're going to be successful. I mean, look at Tyler Breeze, and that was the reason why he got called up was because of Triple H. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's all about the aftermath. I say that a lot, but, you know, we can't really judge. But I'm excited as it is currently to see all these guys in the main roster, and they all have very bright futures ahead of them if they can utilize them properly. I'm going to get to some of the, the Twitter questions we got uh, so we can wrap up in a bit. Uh, from Chris Brandon, why do you think they let Finn Balor keep the belt? Uh, was there nowhere to put him on the main roster? I don't know. I feel like there was a plan in place for him. I was surprised. I thought Joe had it in the bag on Friday, and I figured because he lost it, he would show up on Raw, not the case. He still could next week, but it wouldn't be as impactful because it's not post-WrestleMania Raw, and the crowd wouldn't go as crazy. But uh, I don't know. I feel like they do have a plan in place. Maybe they try turning him heel to give him a fresh set of opponents as a heel in NXT. Not really sure, but um, he can always be called up as NXT champion. It wouldn't be the first time. won't be the last time. So um, I was a little surprised, but I feel like they do have plans in place for Balor as the base of NXT for a little while longer. All right. Second question from the same guy. Do you, uh, with AJ Styles being the number one contender, do you think this is where they'll start to flip Roman Reigns. He's already someone waiting to be healed. I would hope so. I would hope so. Just because I feel like I'm not getting my hopes up because I got my hopes up in the Survivor Series and the Rumble and WrestleMania. It has yet to happen. They're very hell-bent on making Roman Reigns the number one top baby face in the company. Um, but I feel like this would be the chance to do it. I mean, I, it would be so stupid to have AJ in there and have him turn AJ heel 
and have him line with like the Bullet Club or something like, oh, that's going to get Roman Reigns sympathy. You won't because people are going to side with AJ anyway. Um, so even having like the Bullet Club guys, what would be amazing? And I'm not the one to pitch this. I heard someone else talk about it. Have the Bullet Club guys, uh, Anderson and Gallows, come out. They look like they're going to help out AJ, but they side with Roman Reigns instead. That would be cool. Get a little stable going on there. Um, not like a Shield 2.0, but somewhat like a Shield 2.0, and I would love to see something like that. So this is the time to turn him heel. They didn't do it at WrestleMania. That would have been the time to do it. So I'm not getting my hopes up, but. Um, I guess there is some slight hope yet for something like that happening in their future. To me, honestly, I think the the heel turn, I think they'll go with. It just like it, it'll be you know reminiscent of, of John Cena. Like John Cena's never, you know, I mean after the whole thugonomic stuff, but he he was never a heel after that. And people did, you know did not like him. They did not cheer for him, and he just was sarcastic. He was funny on the microphone, and I think that's the one main thing missing from 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 Reigns that he can really you know, pull this um, character off if he was better on the microphone where he can just, like, dodge every bullet that the fans are giving him, the boos and not cheering for him and everything. He can just say whatever he wants, how he feels, be sarcastic, and and just let it go. But I think that's the, the main difference of his character to where John Cena was booed out the building every single place he went, but he was still considered the, the face. And I think if, if, if Reigns can't... Um, dodge that on the microphone, it's going to be extra harder to do that for him in the ring. Exactly. He's not the strongest mic worker. Like I said, I liked what we saw on Monday a little bit. It's like, I'm not the good guy. I'm the guy. Like, that was cool. And they kind of acknowledged that fans hate him. So they didn't completely ignore it. And he, like you said, John Cena's gotten good at that, but they can't have another John Cena where it's like, oh, they're cheering him. I mean, he shouldn't have been because they're booing him. Ha ha, that's fine. They can't do that again. John Cena is a one of a kind. They cannot have the same John Cena treatment of the Roman Reigns. Because he's not as over. He's not the guy. People know John Cena where he can afford to do that at this point. People don't know Roman Reigns. The casual viewer does not know Roman Reigns. They can't afford to do that. So, I mean, the, the most logical scenario, like everyone has said before, you got to turn him heel before he can go baby face. I completely agree with that. And he's just not capable, as you said, of, like, turning the snide remarks into something funny and have people, like, chick, you know, snicker at it or whatever. Again, we saw a little bit of that on Monday. If we get more of that Roman Reigns in the suit of AJ, like, oh, what is this indie darling doing here? What do you, you know, what do you have against me? But they don't turn him full-fledged heel. I would like something like that. But again, seeing is believing with this company. What if, what if we we get down the road a John Cena Roman Reigns world title match? Which way you think the fans are, are leaning? <laughs> I thought we were going to get that. We still might. I feel like the plan is to do that at SummerSlam, and I feel like at that point, if it's going to be in Brooklyn too, which should be really entertaining. I'm, I'm not saying it's the plan. I'm saying it could be a plan. Um, <laughs> I mean, they could crap all over. They didn't poop all over the match in Mania. It was just kind of quiet for it. But in Brooklyn. I mean, between Triple H and Roman Reigns, that is a mania. So in Brooklyn, I feel like uh, that's a great question. If they turned Roman heel, they would sign with Roman. That's the funny thing. I feel like that would be the great time, the best time to turn Roman heel. But if not, they'd probably that's, – that's a great question. I don't know. They'd probably just shit on the entire match and not side with either of them. Well, you know, let's hope that you know we they like to put SummerSlam as the the other WrestleMania, the the second yeah. best pay per view. So let's hope SummerSlam is not five hours long in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, it's four hours as it is. Remember, last year it was four hours, and uh, I mean now that they know that they can go past their limits, they never really thought they can go past eleven because of pay per view times and shit. But I guess they can. If Sunday was any time oh, yeah, of that. Yeah. So, you, you, um, you, man, I would hope they won't go over again. <laughs> back in the days, man, pay per view. 
cable company, you got to be off by 11 o'clock. Now they can have a nine-hour pay-per-view and no one can say shit about it because it's their own network. I'm like, damn, four. There was like 4.45 in that WrestleMania. I hope SummerSlam isn't that long unless you got a fantastic card. I mean, I'll be there in Brooklyn on this summer. So um, if they give me Reigns and Cena in, in the the main event for the world title, I tell you, I tell you, Graham, that Brooklyn crowd is going <laughs> to, it'll be very interesting to see where they go to, to see Cena be cheered in Brooklyn of all places, just because he's fighting Roman Reigns. I don't know, man. I mean, you, you just never know what the crowd, um, you know, everywhere they go. But, um, the last one I got for you is, um, Twitter question from, the INFIS guys, wonderful Twitter name. Um, where does the NXT go? Where does NXT go from here with all of the immediate call ups? Like I said, I feel like the NXT roster will be just fine. We got Austin Aries now, Nakamura, possibly Bobby Roode coming in. They were already guys as it was. I mean, you look at TakeOver last Friday, they had a star-studded card, and that's not even the best they had. I mean, it was the best they had to offer, but that's not even everybody. Like, Apollo Crews wasn't on the card. There were a few other people that weren't on the card. So, I mean, there's still people that can, now that with all the call-ups and Crews being gone, Corbin being gone, there are people that can kind of rise up in their absence. You know, people like Joe can continue to be a top star. Even Sami Zayn is now permanently gone from NXT. I forgot about him, too. He's not really a call-up, but he got called up a couple weeks ago. Um, but there's just so many opportunities to push people, like I said, like the whole Austin Aries, like he can get a big push now in NXT. There's a lot of different directions they can go in. I feel like it's going to make for a great series of matches. And Nakamura versus anybody. Him versus Elias Samson, which I hear we're getting tonight in NXT. I'm excited for that. I never thought I would say I would be excited for an Elias Samson match. But Nakamura is a total star, and I can't wait for that. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the best thing about the NXT call-ups is that the people that are sticking around are going to get big pushes or at least be featured more prominently than they were before. So it's a win-win all around, in my opinion. Real quick, just uh, what are some of the things you're looking interested in seeing uh, from the main roster, from Raw, from NXT? Um, is it the maybe the, the returns of some injured wrestlers or the – I guess, you know, all the call-ups, like what they're going to do with them, how they're going to, you know, you know, put them in what spots. What are some things you're looking forward to um, going forward for, for payback and the pay-per-views going forward? Well, obviously the call-ups, like you said, that would be the obvious answer. Uh, Roman and AJ, I'm really looking forward to. Great to see AJ in the main event scene where he belongs, or at least for the interim. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, what else could come with the ball club guys? They didn't debut on Monday, but they could always debut next week or so. And also, I mean, I'm probably in the minority here. I know a lot of people weren't happy that Ryder lost on Raw, lost the championship, you know, right back to Miz and Monday Night Raw, which wasn't a huge shock where people thought that was going to happen. I love Zack Ryder, but I love the Miz too. Um, but more so than anything else, I probably wouldn't have been as happy about it, but just because we have Maurice back, and I don't know if it's a one-off thing, I don't know if it's permanent. It looks like it might be permanent, but I love that pairing of Miz and Maurice, and I'm excited for that too, and I feel like the Ryder-Miz program for the Intercontinental Championship in the interim is going to be very, very good because I feel like Miz and Maurice, and Miz has always worked better with people anyway. Look no further than Morrison, Our truth Alex Riley, Daniel Bryan even. So uh, that should be very entertaining. Give me Miz out too. So I'm looking forward to that. The call-ups, Roman and AJ, NXT, Nakamura, period. You know, everything about NXT, but specifically Nakamura. So in the next couple months, hopefully they don't fall victim to their typical WrestleMania hangover season where they kind of deliver, you know, half-assed material. You mentioned Zack Ryder and, and, and the whole ladder match IC title. I, I read somewhere, I hope I, I read it right, that, you know, maybe you can help me out, that I think if Neville was not hurt, 
that I think that he was the one that was going to go over in that match. Oh, I didn't know if he was going to go over. I know he was supposed to be in the match if Ryder, if he didn't get hurt, and obviously Ryder wouldn't have been put in it. I heard earlier on on Monday that the initial plan was to have Kale go over, which I do believe, and they wanted to go with the swerve for whatever reason. And maybe if they didn't, if they wanted to go with the swerve, then it would have been Neville. Um, I really don't know, but I mean, it's definitely possible that Neville could have been the one, you know, uh, that was picked to win the championship that day had he not gotten injured. But I feel like. Maybe just because Ryder was more surprising, I feel like Neville wouldn't have been as big of a shocker. It probably would have gone with Kevin Owens, but uh, it's interesting. There's a ready-made story there for when he comes back, though. Graham Matthews at WrestleRant on Twitter, WWE featured columnist for Bleacher Report. Um, just let the fans know where they can you know, hear your stuff, follow you, uh, all the good things that you do, bro. Appreciate it, my man. Well, like you said, uh, the people can find me on the Twitter at WrestleRants, on Facebook, Graham Juice Matthews, like you said, Bleach Report, Hidden Remote, What Culture, I'm all over the place, website, NectarEarthing.net. WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday, breaking down the world of wrestling, everything else in between. Of course, my man, appreciate you having me on the show. Always great to be back on here. Graham, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. I'll catch you on the road. All right.